Everywhere I've moved, I've kind of absorbed some of that style, you know, because you're around it and you're inspired by it. And it's cool because then you end up combining all the influences of where you've lived. Welcome back to another episode of Influencer Business. I'm your host, Rich Scudelari. Very excited to have you with us here today. We have an awesome guest lined up for you. We're being joined by Kathleen Barnes, the creator behind Carrie Bradshaw Lied. Kathleen has a really interesting story, as the title of her blog might indicate, though it could I guess it could indicate a number of things. She was very interested in journalism and kind of set up her whole education such that she could land a job at a magazine once she graduated from college. But After having seemingly achieved her dream, she got a rude awakening. Uh, But thankfully for us, it led to her starting her blog and a variety of other amazing experiences that she's going to actually share with us today in her interview. Uh, And as one of the OG bloggers, she has some great insights for influencers, creators, marketers, and anybody involved in this industry. Uh, So it's a really wonderful conversation. Plus, we're going to chat about her mom, Karen, who has a cult following among Kathleen's Instagram followers, all of that and more to come. But first, I'm going to do the same thing that I do before every interview. Whether this is your first episode of Influencer Business or your 63rd, please take two seconds, give us that five-star rating, leave us that glowing review. It literally does take two seconds. And guess what? You can do it while the podcast keeps rolling. So while I'm talking, you can be giving us that rating and that review. It really helps us out and certainly makes us love you more. Actually, I'm just kidding. We love you all the same, but we would appreciate the feedback, certainly. And now that that shameless plug for ratings and reviews uh, is done and out of the way, let's get to our conversation with Kathleen. Kathleen, thanks so much for joining us today on Influencer Business. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, likewise. Well, before we get into it, can you give us the elevator pitch on Kathleen Barnes and Carrie Bradshaw Lied? CarrieBradshawLied.com has been around for, I believe, around nine years now. And on Instagram, I'm at Kathleen underscore Barnes. And it's really, it started out as a mostly fashion blog and has kind of morphed over the years into a fashion and lifestyle blog. And it's kind of followed us from all of our traveling and moving adventures all over the United States. And now we are settled at home in Georgia and we have a child. So we cover some family content. Obviously, fashion will always be our main focus and um, home. And we just have our first home. And so you can kind of find a variety of content there and on social media. Yeah. Well, kind of referencing something you just talked about, you've been kind of nomadic through the first kind of nine years of this blog and you finally have landed in, it sounds like, very clear distinction home. It sounds like Georgia, but talk to us about all the places you've been prior to landing in Georgia. Sure. So you are similar in this way. So I know (laughs) you feel me. Um, My husband is a Uh, facial plastic surgeon and reconstructive surgeon. So Mm -hmm. for his medical training, we just kind of moved all over. And if anyone's familiar with medical training, it's like drawing out of a hat. You know, you interview a bunch of places, they rank you, you rank them, and then Mm -hmm. a computer matches it up and tells you where you're going. And you guys have been together since college, correct? We have. So we met when we were 19 Mm -hmm. and um, have, you know, stayed together ever since and got Mm -hmm. married towards the end of Christian's medical school, like his last year. Mm -hmm. And so we um, are both from Mississippi and we got married. And then five months later, moved to Southern California in Orange County. And we're there for five years. Because that's where he was placed? That's where he matched, yeah. Yeah. Which was Uh totally like so confusing. We were like, I'm sorry, (laughs) what? Like it was his only interview west of Texas. 
Oh, wow. Everything okay. else was like between Texas and New York and everything in between. And it was just the only West Coast one he got. And somehow mm-hmm. we ended up there, which ironically, my brother is also in healthcare and um, he matched at USC in Los Angeles. Oh, so, wow. Okay. So hilariously, it was great. We were moving to Southern California and so was my brother's family. So we were able to be close to them. Oh, that's nice. So that yeah. was awesome. And so we were there for five years and then we were up in San Francisco for one year and then moved to Georgia, which is, you know, two states over from where we grew up. So we're close to family. It's still, you know, five to seven hours, but mm-hmm. um, certainly closer than a flight. Yeah. Well, and also fun fun fact, when you moved from California to Georgia, from San Francisco to where you live now, um, didn't you do that drive by yourself while you were pregnant? Do I have that right? <laughs> Yeah, that is, um, thank you for reminding me of that. That's nuts. Mm-hmm. I was, let's see, I think I was like 18 weeks pregnant and wow. I uh, drove across the country solo with my three-legged black cat. <laughs> yeah. So I, we stayed. Uh, I had yeah. forgotten about that. Mm-hmm. It was like a three-day journey. Yeah. When it's funny because sometimes I look back and I'm like, I can't believe I did that. But when you're in it and we bought a home and that was, we had bought this home in Georgia and Christian had never seen it in person. Wow. So that's a bold move. It's a bold move, but it was kind of our deal because he was like, I want to move to this town in Georgia. And I was like, what? I was so confused. (laughs) And so our deal was he was like, if you can like get on board with this, I really want to join this group. Okay. Then you can pick the house. Mm -hmm. So that was our deal. Yeah. I love, I do love this house. Yeah. And do you love the, uh, the town? I do love the town. You know, it's funny because. Being out West for six years, I actually found people to be really friendly, you know, particularly mm-hmm. in Southern California. I always say I'm like, when it, when you live near the beach and it's sunny and the weather's perfect every day, like people are usually in a good mood. Yeah, it's hard and to be an kinda, asshole, right? Exactly. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. you get what you put out. So if you put right. out kindness and friendliness, like I always felt like people gave it back. Even in LA, I felt like people were really nice. Mm-hmm. And so um, I just kind of think, people read your energy. So if you come in, they're nice, you know? Right. And so moving back to Georgia, I think what was really amazing is that, you know, I moved here pregnant and, you know, Christian and I both working full-time trying to like make this house at home. And I did know one or two people who lived here just from college and connections in that way. Yeah. But people were so welcoming. Like I, you know, barely had time to make friends before we moved here in July and I had Hudson in November. Yeah. And I I was shocked at how many people brought us food and just. That's amazing. So nice. And I think there's just so much kindness and heart Mm -hmm. in, you know, the Midwest and the South. I think people were like, these people have no friends and they just had a baby let's bring them a meal. It's just so nice. Yeah. It's especially when you go from living like in San Francisco, you're probably living in an apartment building, you know, not, not the same as New York. It's not a, you know, 20 story type deal, but it's still going to be six to eight stories, something like that. And, you know, people are kind of going about their business, not as kind of open to interacting in the elevators and stuff like that. You know, you've lived that life. And so to be in a place where people are so engaging and and welcoming and, and warm, not that the people aren't in these other places. It's just a very different way of interacting with the people who live around you because it's a bit more transient in some yeah, of these other places. Totally. And I think yeah. the beautiful thing about living a lot of different places is when you come from a larger city and you move 
somewhere like Wisconsin or Georgia, your expectations yeah. are like nothing. Like I don't expect right. anyone to do me favors. I don't That's expect right. help from anyone. I, I have no expectations. Yeah. So when we experience this extreme generosity and mm -hmm. kindness, it's like completely yeah. shocking to me. Even though I grew up in the South, it's just been so long. And as an adult, I've never experienced it, you know? Right. So I can appreciate it so much more now than I would had I never lived elsewhere, you know? Yeah, absolutely. But let's talk about kind of obviously major changes in your life as you kind of move, but also in your business. So walk us through the timeline of when uh, you started the blog, why you started the blog, and then how it kind of morphed and traveled with you. Because it's an interesting kind of difficult situation to be in, right? Because you grow up, you have a very specific sense of style. You're moving to different places that maybe force you to adjust. And you're also picking up audience, you know, an audience along the way that is a bit scattered throughout the country. So tell us a little bit about the evolution of that and, and how things have changed over time. Sure. So I started my blog. So Essentially, I curated my entire college degree, internships, everything to work at a magazine. That's all I wanted mm -hmm. to do. And Did you, you have know, a specific one in mind or it was it just I want to be in magazine publishing specifically? So I graduated in 2009 mm -hmm. um, when the economy was not off Doing and popping. so great. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> I was just like, if I can get a job anywhere, like right. at least I can get started and hopefully work my way up and move around. Yeah. And so I um, managed to get a job at Southern Living Magazine, which in that time. That's a pretty great grab. It was, a, it was much better than my, you know, again, I find that the key to happiness in life is low expectations. So I, <laughs> I'm probably going to be working for a local magazine. So the fact yeah. that I, you know, managed to somehow weasel my way in there was just like amazing. Sure. And yeah. I thought, you know, Time Inc. owns Southern Living. So who knows if I do a good job, maybe there'll be an opportunity. They can like hire me yeah. from within, uh -huh. you know, big dreams. Yeah. And so I started at Southern Living in like June after I graduated and, and was mm -hmm. one of the few people who had a job lined up out, out of my friend group. A lot of people chose to go to law school and grad school because it was too scary to get a job. And so in my first month at Southern Living, I saw everyone's doors shutting. People are crying, shutting themselves in offices. I'm like on MSN. I'm like, did a terrorist attack happen? Like, I'm like, yeah. is there something in the news? Yeah. And then someone came over and told me that Southern Accents had folded that day, which was sorry. I, I, this is a very serious part of the story, but I want to go back to the sure. fact that you were on MSN because you were on the Microsoft. Yeah. That Explorer browser, and that was the default. <laughs> right. I think that was my homepage. That's a throwback. Well, it was everybody's yeah. homepage because that was the default. I think there was a obvious. Sure. Yeah. In my so anyway, sorry. Fabulous desktop. Right. Yeah. Anyway. Um, and so somebody told me, you know, that the, ma the magazine had folded, and, you know, the editor in chief of Southern Accents was on my floor. And for those who don't know, which I'm sure is many people, Southern Accents and Veranda Magazine were kind of each other's like big competitors. Mm hmm. And so I just remember going home that day and thinking, um, I've, I've been in my dream job for a month yeah, and I just don't know what the growth potential is here. <laughs> you know, like yeah. it was kind of a real awakening immediately. Sure. And mm -hmm. I, you know, then throughout my time there, which was amazing, but you know, I saw all these people acquire additional jobs and responsibilities with no pay increase or job title change. You know, it was just, it was 
I was watching people just be overwhelmed with work. And yeah. ironically, I, don't, I, you know, everyone that I worked with there is no longer there, which is crazy. And that, that was the case as of like five years ago. Mm-hmm. And so when I went home, I just was like, I got to rework my dreams here. I got to figure out what I can do. With- so literally one month in, you're like, all right, well, my dream's dead. So I right. got to figure it out. I was like, I've got to pivot. It was like a little heartbreaking. However, the beauty was that I was just starting in my career. So right. I just thought, you know, this is why I didn't major in journalism. I majored in business. I have a minor in journalism. So like I have other options. And so Smart. I decided to kind of focus more on, on marketing and not as much on marketing within publishing. And so um, from there, I went to work in marketing and PR for a bank's headquarters. And um, I did marketing and social media for a cosmetic company in California. So I ended up kind of pivoting, which was great, but I didn't want to lose that dream of writing and, you know, creating content in that way. So that's when I started my blog. Cause I thought, mm-hmm. well, this will kind of keep that passion alive. I can do it casually, you mm-hmm. know, and yeah. I'll focus professionally on other things. And so that was, um, that was after college and, I moved, actually, I was from Mississippi, went to Birmingham, worked for Southern Living, went back to Mississippi and had the blog and did marketing and PR for a bank Mm -hmm. and then took it with me to California. But when I was in Mississippi, I didn't really take it that seriously. I just did it for fun. It made no money. I think one time, maybe six months in, someone sent me like a towel for free. And I was like, oh my gosh, I just got a $25 (laughs) towel for free. So Did you know when you started it that you would you could make money, or at that point was everybody pretty much doing it just because they loved it? You know, this was back when not there were just weren't that many blogs out there, and I wish I yeah. could honestly say yes. I am so savvy. I knew this would be a business, <laughs> but no, I did not expect yeah. to make any money from it. I was not savvy. It looks like garbage. I figured out how to code myself by. By That's, Google. Everybody did. Com. Mary did the same thing. Yeah. Everybody right. in those early days was, you know, pulling up the HTML files and, you know, yeah. writing their own. Yeah. That was incredible. There was no like Etsy web design template. And so I felt mm-hmm. like it looked like a digital scrapbook. I mean, it looked horrible, but I was like, <laughs> this website is amazing. Yeah. And so um, it wasn't until we found out, well, it wasn't until we knew we would be moving somewhere with Christian's training. And I kind of encouraged him to like, I'm like, Hey, let's let's see what you can do. Like rank them best to worst programs. Let's just see where we go. Mm -hmm. And um, he was like, you know, you probably should make this digital scrapbook of yours look a little more polished because you're going to be interviewing for jobs. And even if you don't tell them about this website, if they choose to Google you, they're going to find it. Yeah. So you should make Mm -hmm. sure you're not embarrassed of the way it looks, which was which should have been obvious to me from the beginning, but it yeah. But the, the, the also like the design aesthetics back in the in 2010 were sure. very different than they are today. So like, you can't look back and compare it to today's kind of kind of design principles. So now, good advice, obviously for right. Christian, but <laughs> uh, but at the same time, like let's give our cut ourselves a little slack here. Well, you are kind. I. I'm like, you know, if this if these people don't see me wearing this outfit in my driveway and think she's a star, then you know, that's on them. <laughs> but at that time, I uh I was like, you know what, I'm gonna pay a web designer. So I found a web designer to just give me like a basic template sure. and, and yeah. focused on I like bought a camera and made things look a little bit nicer. Sure. So and I still didn't tell when I interviewed for jobs in California, I still didn't tell anyone I had it. And yeah. I actually 
um, ended up getting a job much faster than I thought. I kind of was looking forward to being fun employed, but I was only unemployed for like three weeks <laughs> and started working <laughs> at Urban Decay Cosmetics headquarters and they're owned by L'Oreal. Yeah. And so I worked for them in Newport Beach for maybe three-ish years um, and didn't tell them I had that blog. And finally, one day, one of my coworkers like found it. And instead of making fun of me, she was very kind and supportive. And then eventually everyone found out I had it. But I mean, it wasn't like a conflict of interest. I don't, didn't really talk about makeup very much at sure. the time. And so I did that for a while. But I mm-hmm. really credit Orange County and Southern California. Um, that's what That was when I realized, oh my gosh, like this could really be a career and a business because for the first time, I, I know I would, I would get invites to like a little events in Los Angeles. And so my Orange County girlfriend, Nikki, who has my style diaries, she and I would carpool to LA for this event. And I would be around all these other girls that were doing this full time as a business. And it kind of really encouraged me to buckle down. And, and it was easier at that time because my husband, Christian was working all the time, 20 hour days, you know? And so he was never home. So I would work at Urban Decay until like six and then I would come home. He's not home. So I would just pull out my laptop and start working on my blog and I would work on my blog until like 11. Yep. Maybe Christian got home at 10, you know? So it wasn't <laughs> like I was choosing this side hustle over our marriage or anything. I mean, he wasn't yeah. around. It's so interesting how those things kind of line up a little bit because Mary and I had the same thing, right? Sure. We, worked, we both worked kind of long jobs and then did long distance, but we were so both so busy because of what we were doing that it, it kind of worked out. And it, you, yeah. you kind of wonder if you didn't have that kind of level of, uh, you know, distraction from your kind of day job and whatnot, would you be able to make something like this work? Because it gave you that room from six to 11, that five yeah. hours a day to really dive in. Totally. And I think it was great, you know, on the flip side, I think it was great for Christian that 100%, yeah. I was so passionate and and happy to be doing what I was doing instead of like constantly texting him, when are you coming home? When are you coming home? Right, I was like, right. I'm going to be in LA. I don't know when I'm going to be back. Guess I'll see you right. tomorrow. You know, like you said, <laughs> expectations, right? right. <laughs> Please expect low. nothing from me. Thank you. <laughs> um, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, but, I, and I so really credit that inspiration of Cal- yeah. California really, I think had I not, had we not ended up there, I definitely wouldn't be doing this right now, I don't think. So that's really where your your audience started to coalesce, I would totally. imagine. Probably not in Alabama. That was the early days. It was still sure. kind of you figuring it out. But it sounds like L.A. was the first place where you really started to build an audience. So what was it like then moving to San Francisco? So Because we do know your love-hate relationship. I know, and I have to be delicate as I see you are wearing a Stanford shirt and I don't intend to step on the toes of someone No, you, listen, you can it. step all over. Listen, I'm from California, <laughs> but I have lived the bulk of my adult life on the East Coast and now I'm living in the Midwest. I have a lot of love for California, but it has its pluses and minuses. Yeah, I think we loved Southern California, all of yeah. it, San Diego, Orange County, Los Angeles, you know, moving up to Central Coast, Santa Barbara, like, I just love it all. I mean, love it all. I found the people to be really welcoming and kind. Um, Also, I was thrilled to find that people loved our accents out there, which Christian doesn't even really have an accent, but I certainly (laughs) do. And people loved it and were so nice and friendly. And I think, you know, a Southern accent can make you sound nicer than perhaps you are. (laughs) And so off the bat, they're like, oh my goodness, where you're from? That's so great. And so 
I think I expected like Southern girl moves to a city and people are mean. Like again, low expectations <laughs> and was just so like at home there. We made yeah. great friends. And, and so when I knew we would be leaving because the program Christian was at the university of California, Irvine, and he was at that residency program and that fellowship program at that school prefers to take people from other programs because they also want to encourage their residents to explore and go and train somewhere else. Honestly, pretty smart. It's yeah. really smart. It's really smart. And I it's think, annoying to move, but sure. It is annoying yeah. to move, but it makes sense. And it's, it also exposes Christian to more surgeons and, and that way he can practice under all kinds of people and learn even more. Mm-hmm. And so we knew we wouldn't be able to stay. Even if we wanted to, we knew we wouldn't be able to. And I, I would have loved to stay just because we had friends there and I was so comfortable there that it was sad to think of moving anywhere. I just didn't want to leave. And as you know, from moving all over, I also didn't know, I mean, he interviewed everywhere from um, the West Coast to New York for fellowship programs. I mean, I knew the entire country was an option. And I thought, we're going to have to do this whole thing again, you know, Mm -hmm. like, but the, this time the, you're going to Alaska. Yeah, exactly. But it's like the car tag and the insurance <laughs> yeah. stuff. And it's yeah. like all the paperwork stuff to live somewhere for just a year yeah. is like so frustrating, you know? Yeah. And so I just it doesn't was seem like, like much, but it just, it really, it really annoying. It's really annoying. And so yeah. I just was like, we'll see how this goes. Yeah. And we ended up um, in San Francisco, which was again, really surprising to me. I like didn't expect that. However, my brother had lived in San Francisco for a year and I had visited him. You know, that was, let's see, this was 2017 and 18. We were in San Francisco and I think my brother was there more like 2013 perhaps. Mm -hmm. And so, um, when we had visited him, when he lived there, we had a great time. You know, Mm -hmm. so I just was like, cool, this will be easy. At least we don't, we're staying in state. Like that does make things less complicated, you know? Sure. Yeah. And, um, I didn't want to leave and Christian claims that he knew it was going to be disastrous simply because (laughs) I was so happy there Yeah. that, you know, we left Mississippi and I was like, deuces, I may never be back, you know, (laughs) in Southern California. I was like, I could literally stay here for the rest of my life. Like I just Mm -hmm. loved it. You know, but I was like, this will be fun. It'll be easy because it's, you know, in the same yeah. state. And I also thought, you know, I'm an adult woman who's independent. Like, I can do anything, <laughs> you know. And you can and you did, but it but maybe I, wasn't as enjoyable as you'd hoped. It kicked my ass and I didn't see it coming. And what was, really it, what was it about it that, that kicked your ass? Well, it wasn't, it wasn't the people. Again, I found, I mean, yeah, the people were more, you know, abrasive than they are in like the beachy towns of, Southern California, but I mean, mm-hmm. people were fine. I think it was, downsizing's not fun. Yeah. At the time, we had an 11-year-old, 90-pound dog, so I had to do a pet resume for her, actual Wait, resume. So it's hard to find apartments for large dogs. Okay. Southern California is easier because you can have a little bit more square footage, certainly mm-hmm. more than right. like a New York, a compact city. Right. But these cities, they all allowed dogs like 20 pounds and under. I mean, she's, there's no denying. I mean, I lied and said she was like 68 pounds, but like she's a solid 88, like 0.5. <laughs> okay. Like you could only, you know, exaggerate so much. Right. And so we had to do a pet resume 
for her saying that she's been professionally trained and she's not a barker. And when I worked at Urban Decay, she, it was a pet friendly office. So I brought her to work several days a week. Mm -hmm. And, um, she, of course, you know, Southern California, they're like Pomeranians and pugs. And then my like massive 90 pound lab was just like a mess. So crazy. And so, but she had a, she had her professional headshot taken while at Urban Decay because she's, she is on the wallpaper of the bathrooms in the Urban Decay stores. <laughs> um, all the pets of the office are. That's incredible. So I have an, I had a selection of professional headshots, like with a backdrop for mm-hmm. the dog. So I put that on her resume and like one woman ended up thinking it was like hilarious and let us live there. <laughs> and so we move into this apartment with downsize. We have a three-legged cat, this huge dog. And it's, you know, we go from like sunny, warm to like pretty cold, windy, always gray. That's the thing but, people don't understand about San Francisco. Yeah, it, no. It Everyone's like, gets... it's not that cold. Calm down. I'm like, it really is though. Well, with the wind, it feels brutal. Right. It feels brutal. And the wind is always whipping, even on beautiful days. And, and we sold one of our cars. We just took one car. Yeah, yeah. But I think what made it, I think big picture, you know, we, we lived in Pacific Heights because my husband worked in Pacific Heights and he wanted to be able to walk to work and we only had yep. one car. So, I mean, that was important. And, you know, that's a you know pretty nice neighborhood within the city. Yep. You know, our, our building was broken into several times. We paid extra for a garage for the oh, yeah. car that was yeah. broken into. Sometimes in San twice. Francisco, what you'll pay for a parking spot is what you'll pay for an apartment in other cities. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, yeah and you're right. They get broken into all the time. Broken into, I mean, our car was empty and they smashed in the window and took nothing because there was nothing in it. But I'm like, mm-hmm. but unfortunately, you know, people just leave their cars unlocked and put a sign that says the car's unlocked. There's nothing in here. Please don't break my window. I can't afford to replace it again. That's crazy. But unfortunately, I couldn't yeah. do that because my car locked automatically on it by itself. Right, yeah. Tragic. And so, um, and it wasn't even just that. I think it was like the weather with, you know, Christian worked just as long of hours, if not longer there. So I was alone a lot, which meant I was walking the dog at 10 Mm p.m. And I didn't expect to feel as unsafe as I did because I lived in New York for a summer in college I was in LA often and I never felt unsafe really in New York or LA much, but in San Francisco I did because the homeless population is obviously more aggressive than other cities. And it like broke my heart. There were times where I have vivid memories of these narrow sidewalks and there was someone passed out on the sidewalk who was like in his thirties holding a needle Yeah, and and I'm physically stepping over his body. Like he's like a Mm -hmm. bag of trash. Yeah. And it like breaks your heart. What do you it do? It really does, yeah. What mm-hmm. do you do? You know, and yep. so it's like the weather combined with all the intense sadness that I saw every single day. Yeah. I just was like depressed. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I think it made me have like no hope for humanity, you know, because even Jeez, as a, yeah. even as someone, as a resident, what can I do mm-hmm. while still keeping myself safe? Yep. And so, mm-hmm. you know, Christian, you know, he takes an oath and he would see people passed out and he'd stand there to try to see if he can see if they're breathing or not. Cause he's mm-hmm. like, I have a responsibility, but I also don't yeah. know if they're faking it so that they can like, mm-hmm. you know, stab me with their drug needle once I go over to try to help them. Yeah. So we just saw some crazy stuff and I think it just was heartbreaking. And I did seek therapy while I lived there. That did help mm-hmm. a lot. 
Yeah. But the beauty is, I think, I think had we not had that experience, it would have been really, really hard to leave California because it had yeah. so many amazing opportunities and we loved it. And I think that was kind of preparing us. Mm-hmm. Once again, low expectations. Yeah. I was like, I feel like I can move anywhere at this point. Yeah. Anything will be an upgrade, like headspace. It's so wise. sad because San Francisco, you know, historically has been such a great city and there are oh, pockets yeah. of it that are still great. But of course, uh, there are, you know, a lot of issues you're seeing a lot of people leave. But how did how did that affect the content you were creating and how did the move affect your followers? Talk talk to us a little bit about the, the business side of things. Sure. So I, um, I you know, so Southern California was great. And I think the move, I felt good about it because I thought, you know, now I'll be sharing what life is like in the South, what life is like in Southern California. And then this is like a totally different, more, more urban, you know, edgier style. And I thought that was great. And Mm -hmm. I think it, it was great. And I think everywhere I've moved, I've kind of absorbed some of that style, you know, Mm -hmm. because you're around it and you're inspired by it. And it's cool because then you end up combining all the influences of where you've lived. Right. Um, but it was difficult because I was having such a hard time and I'm not an yeah. actress. I'm not a mm-hmm. trained actor. And yeah. therefore I was like, do I fake it or do I tell the truth? And yeah. I'm unhappy, you know? And yep. that was hard because I didn't want to. Nobody wants to be a Debbie Downer. Exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah. I consider myself mm-hmm. a happy person and it was hard because I, but I also like, you know, I'm not an actress. So yeah, that was a difficult decision. And I, and so I did tr- share some struggles and most people thought it was, was endearing and some didn't. That's, what, that's the nature of the business, right? Exactly. Yeah. You know, you can't make everyone happy and you're not for right. everyone and you just kind of have to accept it. Yeah. And you have to lean into who you are and what you do. Yeah. And yeah. if you lose followers because of it, that is what it is, right? Because you right. you know, in the long run, trying to be something that you're not is gonna be a much harder thing to do. It's gonna be a lot more depressing. And ultimately at the end of the day, you're gonna have a hard time kind of having success. Totally. Yeah. I do find looking back that perhaps my um portrayal and attitude about this city, it did not bring me a lot of local projects. <laughs> 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 I remember moving and thinking. You know, yeah. I worked a lot with like LA based companies and I'm like, it's funny that, you know, there are a lot of companies headquartered in the Bay area, yet none of them are contacting me. And probably because they're like, this girl is terrible. You know, like. <laughs> I actually don't know if that's the case. I think it's a very different scene in San Francisco. And if you look at kind of this, like the, the San Francisco based influencers, a lot of them have left. And yeah. I don't well, think there really the, aren't many. There, well, certainly not anymore. A lot of a lot of them have been through San Francisco, right? You think yeah, about all the folks right. who have been through there, but totally. are no longer there. Uh, and there, there wasn't a ton going on. You know, uh, we were there for Mary was there, I think, for only a year and a half. Um, I was there for four years. You know, between work and school. But y'all were there. What what years were you there? It's a good question. Uh, let's see. I would have been there. I was there from 2012 to 2016. Mary was there from like 2015 to, you know, like a year and a half. So beginning of 2015 yeah. to the end of... See, and I feel like, yeah, did you not know, did you notice a difference right when you moved there and the end? Did you feel like it was a different city? Don't know because it, that's hard to say because 
for the first two years, I was just working like crazy. And so it was kind of back and forth between my office and my home. And Mary was in New York. And so anytime I got an opportunity, I would head out there or she'd come out here and we'd, you know, go to Napa or something like that for the weekend. Uh, and then the second uh, two years, I was commuting down to Palo Alto for most oh, of the time right, right, right. Uh, to go to school. So I didn't have your traditional San Francisco experience, I'd say, because I was so young and working and, uh, and then also going to school, uh, towards the back half and yeah, building, you know, stuff and companies and whatnot. So Christian didn't love it, but he didn't feel exactly the way I did because like you, he was never in the city. He was in buildings to building, you know, Mm -hmm. I was more absorbing the city more, which initially I thought would be like amazing. Yeah. But you know what? I think I learned so many lessons there. I'm, you know, I can't believe I'm even saying this out loud, but like, I'm glad I had the experience because I do think it made me tougher. And I do think that it just made me feel like if I can do this, I can do Mm -hmm. my thing. But I also think it probably changes your perspective on kind of getting involved in the community and making sure that you know, little things become big things over time. And so how can you, you know, better protect the people in your town and your city so that, you know, they don't have to go through the same things that the folks in San Francisco have gone through. Big time. Yeah. And also like being on the front end of that, you know, because Mm -hmm. once things really start to unravel, then you're like totally overwhelmed and drowning in all of these problems. So it's like when you start to see it, like act now, you know? Yeah. And it's, and it's hard in a city like San Francisco to to believe that, you know, and you guys were, it was very transient. You knew you were going to be there for a year and then you were pretty sure you were going to be somewhere else. And so it's certainly hard to commit to civic activity while you're there um, because you're one, you're settling in for the first three months and then you're kind of getting out of there in the next, the the end of the three months. You really only have six months where you're kind of somewhat settled. Um, and, but as you carry that experience with you, it'll, it'll give you some perspective on how you can approach your own community and, and help yeah. the folks who need help. And you'll probably never live in, in that big of a city. I mean, you might, but you know, you're currently not living in that big of a city now, so you can have a bigger right. impact and you see the importance of local politics or, you know, definitely civic activity. So definitely that is the upside. And I think one thing I was nervous about leaving California was, you know, for six years and similar to New York, it's like I was constantly around other entrepreneurial people, people who worked really hard, who Mm -hmm. were incredibly smart. And that was really inspiring. Regardless of their industry, I feel like I was always surrounded by these like up and coming, hardworking young people. And Mm -hmm. that really helped me to stay motivated to hustle. And so that was one thing that Christian and I did discuss at length leaving you know, for a slower lifestyle, he's yeah. like, you know, is that going to affect your business in terms of keeping you excited and inspired just yep. being around mm-hmm. personality types like that? Yeah, but there are pluses and minuses. I mean, there's so many issues that need to be fixed in San Francisco because the influx of money has really changed kind of the housing situation for folks in, you know, in the Bay Area as a whole, honestly, and has, you know, there are just a lot of things that, you know, need to be rectified because um, people weren't ready for the dot-com boom in terms of kind of the infrastructure, right? And, yeah. um, you know, it's uh, prices have gone up. It's pushed people out. It's some of the things that made San Francisco so great and the Bay Area so great have, you know, kind of fallen by the wayside because of the influx of money and all of those types of things. Um, yeah. So it's hard. Rent and in it, San Francisco was two and a half times oh, yeah. what it was in Southern California. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. No, San and, Francisco and New York, I think, probably easily the two most expensive cities to live yeah, in. Yeah, And in they terms are. of square footage, you might get a little bit more in San Francisco just because the buildings are maybe slightly older and you have, you know, a little bit more square footage. But um, yeah, it's a, it's a kind of a, not a nice wake up call, but. Yeah, um, it, it was, and yeah. you know, my husband at the time was never home and not only never home, but you know, I don't know if anyone's familiar with what uh, medical residents and fellowship people get paid, but it is <laughs> coins. Yeah. One time he did the math and it was like, you know, less than $2 an hour. I mean, it's like Jeez. nothing when you compare yeah. the time you put in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not only that, but like, thankfully, Christian is a was so lucky to be given a full scholarship to medical school, which is why mm-hmm. he stayed in state for medical school. But normally you still graduate with hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt and you're making right. $2 an hour. Yeah. So, you know, I really felt that that also kept me hustling because I was like, someone's got to pay for this San Francisco apartment. <laughs> well, you then you you guys found a place in Georgia, you moved. So at this point, you started in L.A., you moved to San Francisco, now you're in Georgia. What what has been the kind of reaction from your followers? Have you picked up new followers along the way who are from these different places? How has it affected the content that you're creating? Talk to us a little bit about the evolution of your platform over time and the audience. Yeah, it's definitely changed a lot. And that was the question that Christian and I talked about all the time. You know, what could this mean for my business? And were we willing to sacrifice that? And it's just yeah. hard because... Because you have he, a really nice business and it's it's a risk, right? Even though he totally. is going to be, in, you know, in plastic surgery, I don't know exactly what he does, but roughly that area. And that's generally a very profitable place to be as a, um, you know, depending on, you know, how insurance works out and all that stuff, but generally a, a nice business. Um, but you, you know, with two incomes, like you got to make those kind of decisions and have those hard conversations. Sure. And it's like, you know, we know the longevity of his career, but right. you never, we never know that, you know, I never <laughs> thought I would even still be able to be doing this. Right. You know, my right. goal was to have a job that helped financially through his training. And if right. it could get us through those years, like anything else right. is a cherry on top. <clears throat> right. And so it was difficult, but I thought, you know, moving to Georgia allows us opportunities for my business that staying in California never would like being a homeowner and decorating a home and sharing that kind of content, having a beautiful kitchen that I can photograph and share recipes in, like, Mm -hmm. you know, having a yard, like having those kinds of things that would allow me to create content in those spaces and potentially work with home brands and other things that I wouldn't necessarily have in Mm -hmm. California. And so, um, my hope was that, you know, just as my audience, not, you know, it's obviously grown over the years, but just as many stuck with me in Mississippi to California and then yeah. my cheery, happy, sunny attitude in SoCal to just being like depressed in a dark place talking about therapy in San Francisco. Yeah. So I'm like, mm-hmm. if they're willing to stick with me through this roller coaster sure. that we've already been on, maybe mm-hmm. they'll stick with me through this journey. And yeah. sure enough, I do think that, you know, we moved to Georgia, we had a baby, we bought a home, and that alone brought two new verticals that I'd never really explored very much, you know, family and home. I Mm -hmm. always want the focus to remain fashion, and I work hard to to ensure that that is the case. Sure, yeah. But I think that, you know, just as my audience has kind of grown up with me, as I've grown up, their interests have expanded, and therefore, because of living in a place with a lower cost of living and being able to have these amenities, I'm able to expand the content and therefore appeal to even more. And I think as I've moved, 
I've found that my older demographic has also expanded, like, you know, 50 to 65, more mm-hmm. so than obviously it did in California when I was wearing like crop tops in Newport <laughs> Beach. You know, now in Georgia, I'm like a right. mom in like a cashmere sweater. You know, it's just like yep. a different, it's right, just different, right. you know. Uh-huh. And so I've been pleasantly surprised that it hasn't been as much of an abrasive change as I anticipated it could be. Sure. Mm-hmm. And I think that even more so, you know, we moved eight or so months before all this coronavirus started. Yeah. And had we moved just a little bit later, I would have no friends. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it, it would have been totally different. Whereas at that time, moving was like really exciting, moving across yeah. the country. It wasn't yeah. like everyone's doing it because they're sick of being in their tiny apartment in lockdown. 100%. It was different. And so I felt like people were, that moving journey was really fun. And I think that it allowed us to make friends here and it allowed me to meet other like-minded people here, which has helped keep me motivated and inspired. And I think that it's been like so nice because even so more so in this year than any year, I feel like, you know, when you're creating content inside, no one knows if you're in Newport coast or random town USA, Mm -hmm. it looks the same everywhere, you know? Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I've kind of realized that, in a way, it's like fake it till you make it. I mean, we have a downtown in Athens, Georgia. And if the right angle is taken, you're like, is she in Atlanta? Where is she? You know? <laughs> and so yeah. I've been, I, you know. Well, again, Athens is also like, it's not the smallest town ever, right? I mean, because you do have a big university right there. And sure. it is a hopping good time on the weekends when Corona is not in full effect. Totally. And um, it's nice because there are a lot of young yeah. people here who are still, you know, and mm-hmm. an hour from Atlanta. So right, right. it's easy to get to Atlanta for anything you need, but mm-hmm. you don't have to be there. Sure. And it's like, I think yeah. Athens, the surrounding little county is like 100,000 people. So it's still yeah. small, but it's not, sure. it's not teeny yeah. tiny. And on game day, it's 500,000 people. Oh my gosh. I um, love when I know it's game day, not because I know the calendar, but because I'm at the grocery and I see yeah. like a woman with like a fresh facelift in like a G wagon. <laughs> And I'm like, someone's mom's in town. Is it a game weekend? (laughs) And I want to be like, Marsha, you're looking fabulous. (laughs) Love the hair. Do you think some of the resiliency of your platform across all of these moves is, uh, I think there are probably a number of different reasons. Obviously, your talent comes into play. But also, do you look for opportunities? Is it a... Uh, you know, being flexible and saying, listen, things will change and I'm embracing change and looking for opportunities that are opportunities instead of, you know, kind of something that I'm, I'm dreading. Is there an element of that as well? Yeah, I think so. And I think one of the biggest things is I always tell people when asked, I'm like, your audience is you. Like they're, if you think you're smarter than them, you're wrong. Like, <laughs> you know, they know when you're lying. They know when you're phoning it in. They know when you're not being honest or when you're trying to sell them something. And so it's really important to me that, that even when I started this blog, not expecting to make a coin, I was excited about a free towel. Mm -hmm. Like I always want to go back to why I started this. I did not start this to make money. And I think that's why it grew because it was the things I was genuinely interested in. I would much rather lose financial opportunities on my end to deliver the kind of content my audience is interested in, even if it means I make nothing, which is like, you know, 
TV recommendations and no one makes money off that kind of stuff. And that's fine because that's kind of, you know, podcast recommendations. It's like, that's what mm-hmm. I love to talk about. Yeah. And I would much rather give that day of content to a focus like that and not take on a paid project that I'm not, you know, revved about. Right. You know, it's interesting. We talk about kind of the different seasons of your life, but we are we also have different seasons of the year and we're now in Q4. That means one thing, the holidays. So it's it's an interesting time. Obviously, 2020 has been a crazy year. There's an election going on, but we also do have the holidays. And this year might be a little bit different, but, um, you know, generally this is the time when brands pull out the pocketbooks and say, okay, we're going to make this big push because this is when we get into the black, Right. Uh, you know, with Thanksgiving, with Black Friday, Cyber Monday, and then the holidays, a lot of spending generally goes on. And so influencers are have become certainly a main focus for a lot of marketing dollars. So when you think about that, right, you've been at this a while, you've seen a number of cycles go through. How do you kind of think about handling the holidays as an influencer? Because you probably could have a paid partnership go up every day or maybe twice a day. Um, So talk to us a little bit about balancing organic content versus uh, taking on paid sponsorships and, you know, how things have changed over the years. Totally. So I think that November is always a hot, hot month because even in December, that's cutting it a little close to to the holidays and (laughs) everyone, you know, this year, um, I originally had a holiday pajama post that the brand wanted up before Halloween. Wow. And I'm just like, I do not see that performing well, you know, like, (laughs) again, like your audience is just as smart as you and they're going to be like, lady, it's not even Halloween, like calm down, you know? Right. Uh Uh-huh. And so obviously that didn't end up happening, but I'm just like, oh, what? But I think that, again, the this year, what I think is really fascinating for my content, and I would and expect for most influencers' content is that, you know, no one's really buying a sequin sparkly dress for the holidays. Like I even right. saw Mary referencing her 30 days of dresses. She's like, yep. you know, this really isn't the year for that. Like they're no. not. You know, in California, they're telling you you can only have people over for Thanksgiving if you meet outside mm-hmm. and telling people to wear their mask in between right. bites of food, you know? Right. So like, right. And so thankfully, since I started diversifying my content more than ever, you yep. know, a year ago, mm-hmm. I've looked at, I look at my partnerships for the holidays and it's, you know, things in the kitchen, it's chocolate, it's, you know, mm-hmm. gifts under 50. It's, it's not necessarily fashion and high heels, which mm-hmm. is really nice because it's more relatable content and more realistic content for yeah. 2020. And how much of that do you think is the brands and how much of that is the feedback that you're giving to the brands when they reach out? Um, I think it's a little bit of both, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think, and I also think, you know, brands were really sleepy this summer because no one knew what the rest of the year was going to hold. I also think everyone's yep. kids were at home, right. you know. Productivity and- was an all-time low. Right. And so people were just like, let's just put everything on pause for a beat until we have a better grip for what the rest of the year looks like. And I think now that, you know, once it was determined, probably more so like in August, once we got information from universities and schools, people were like, all right, we've got these marketing dollars. They're not going to roll over for 2021, so spend it or lose it. Mm -hmm. And so now it's just been like people, it's just so busy. And you really have to make sure you look at your content calendar regularly because I make this mistake because you get these opportunities and there are things you want to do and like-minded yeah. brands, but you still can take on too much. And it, and it, yeah. it exhausts 
more, more than exhausting me, it exhausts my audience yeah. when they only see sponsored, sponsored, ad, ad, ad. It's just like, yeah, it's a lot, mm-hmm. you know, and you start to lose yeah. engagement. And right. so you have to make sure that you're, you know, first and foremost, serving them mm-hmm. authentically and, you know, doing things that are helpful. So you can take on too much. And I usually do take on too much. <laughs> and then I try to reel it in for December. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I wouldn't say I'm the best at balance. It's, you know, my, since my husband's in facial plastics, the holidays are also very busy for him because people oh, want to have their work done uh, before they get their mm-hmm. long weekends. So they don't have to use their vacation days for two yeah. separate things. Fun fact, so, I've had two engagements with plastic surgeons right before a wedding. Oh, interesting. Both related to basketball injuries, elbows oh. to the face. Oh boy. <laughs> it was leading up to our wedding and I got, uh, I was playing basketball. I got elbowed in the face two separate times, six weeks apart. Ooh. And I called Mary on the way to the hospital, you know, the ER just to get patched up, whatever. And Mary was like, we have our wedding coming up. I can't have you looking like Frankenstein. Make sure you wait for a plastic surgeon so they can do the stitches. Yeah. So shout out to the plastic surgeons who, uh, you know, <laughs> made me look halfway decent or not like a gremlin at our wedding. Um, oh, but I didn't yeah. realize that December was such a big time for that. Yeah, November and December. Like Christian's okay. already slammed for November, mm-hmm. um, which is great. But it's like our busy seasons are the same, which yeah. is why last year when I had a baby, yeah, like four days before, and he was. Like how many weeks into the job? Um, he actually so, uh, about two and a half months. So he was two and a half months in, into the job, still relatively new and young, and kind of trying to set you know, kind of like lay yeah. down. This is who I am. I'm I'm a you know contributing member to the team and setting. Yeah. his... I mean, he was know, on call for Thanksgiving. We had like a four day old, and he was oh, on geez. call for Thanksgiving. Wow. Yeah, he did take a week off to to be home with me, which was like more than I even expected. Again, low expectations. <laughs> But Is that going to be the title of this episode? Yeah, it should be. With <laughs> Truly, it should be. But I feel like I'm like I've told Christian, and I I do think my business manager like makes an example of me to other talent, and they're like, before yeah. you can before you consider conceiving in February or March, really mm-hmm. really think about that Thanksgiving <laughs> and Christmas baby, and ask yourself if it's worth it. Right. Right. Or ask Kathleen if it's worth it. Right. Um, so you do a reference check with Kathleen. Exactly. She give you the scoop. It's true. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, our busy seasons are the same, which is mm-hmm. not ideal, but it is what it is. So sure. Well, and and there's not only on the content side, there's not only kind of the balance between organic and and paid, but or sponsored, but there's also kind of understanding what everybody else is doing, right? Because if you were wound three or four years, right, there were so many of these gift guides that were going around. There still are, and people were just blowing them out and doing. But but how do you f- differentiate what you're putting out there versus? Hey, this is the 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 umpteenth gift guide, or this is the the exact same thing that you've seen from ten or fifteen other bloggers. How do you continue to keep it new and interesting for your followers because you've been doing this for a long time you've seen a lot of stuff you probably have stuff you feel comfortable doing talk to us a little bit about that yeah I think you know gift guides are always helpful because you forget that they're helpful until you haven't done one and people are like are you gonna do one are you gonna do one are you gonna do one um so it's nice to know that that is helpful to people however there's always to I feel that for my business, there's always a fine line between like being helpful and putting products out there and like just looking like a QVC, like hustler, just like throwing away. <laughs> like someone was telling me one time, 
they, that they had read that like someone counted how many times a particular influencer put links out on stories. And it was like, you know, 47 links that oh. she was pushing in like a day, oh. you know? And so I don't that's want a, people to... hard swipe for me. Right? And so that's I'm like, I don't swipe. want people to feel like, oh, Kathleen, she's always like trying to sell us something. Right, right. And so I think you have to kind of know that balance between sharing like holiday movie recommendations mm-hmm. and the gift guides, which are helpful and right. people do look for. And I think yeah. everybody's balance is different. And I also think, you know, it's fun for an audience to know what to expect from you. So if you're right, sure. you know, people yeah. are already asking Mary like in October about the right. 30 dresses. So, I mean, right. people have their unique spins and then your audience looks forward to that year after year. And there's value in yeah. that. Do you think it's better to like do something super niche or do you think it's better to go broad and say, hey, here's kind of a big holiday gift idea list for you? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And I feel like dif- different things work for different people. And it also okay. depends on like s- some people. I'm like, granted, I don't know everyone's individual teams, but mm-hmm. I am personally a, a small team. And therefore, like I'm just straight up too tired to do <laughs> a 100 page gift guide. I'm like, yep. I maybe I don't have maybe if I expanded my team, I could. I just don't, it's just not for me. And so for me, I try to keep things broad. However, I do think some people, you know, will kind of take a stab at a niche, you know, focus like that and it performs really well. And I Mm -hmm. think that also is like really original and I respect that because it's a lot more generic to keep things broad. You know, when you really Mm -hmm. kind of hone into something unique like that, it's, you know, in in an industry like this, where there are so many people doing the same thing, it's hard. It can be hard to stand out. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, that comes with being original and unique. And I think you have to work at that. That doesn't come naturally, you know? Right. hundred percent. No, I I definitely think it's a skill that you have to refine over time, but, and and now kind of shifting to the personal side of things, because you do this for a living, right? And the holidays are such a big time. Does it affect your ability to enjoy the holidays? Now, putting aside the fact that Christian and you are both busy at this time, but just thinking about the work and your enjoyment of the holidays, does it impact it at all? Definitely. Yeah. (laughs) However, I do think that the holidays first and foremost changed for me when Christian started his medical training because, you know, we had not, we haven't been able to fly home for Christmas ever because we always stayed in California. And sometimes my family would come out and sometimes I would spend it with my brother's family. But, you know, the holidays really, really changed um, then. And then I kind of got used to... Mm -hmm being alone for the holidays. And so, you know, we kind of started our own traditions out there. And so that kind of started changing the way I viewed the holidays. And then of course with work, you know, then I worked in retail at, you know, Urban Mm -hmm. Decay's headquarters. So we're working on holiday stuff in September, August. And so by the time it does roll around, I'm like over it, you know? Yeah, sure. Because we've Mm -hmm. been talking about it for six months. I'm done. Right. And then now with work, I definitely think the difference is now, I think before it was mentally... I mentally was over it because of working in corporate retail. And now I think it's like straight up working crazy hours Yeah, that um, I don't think I enjoy it. I mean, you know, when I had Hudson in the hospital, it was November the 22nd. I had a holiday project that was going up that day. I didn't, God. you know, he came on his own. It wasn't, he, yeah. you know, he came Plan. four days early. Right. And I Whoa, was... Oh, four days early for your first one. That's great. Four days early. I roll into the hospital mm-hmm. and... 
they were going to check me and I could tell the nurse looked at me like, we're going to send you home. Like, new mom, like you're, you know, cause I, I really wasn't, they were like, do you need a wheelchair? And I was like, no, I'm fine. I can walk. So she checks me and she's like, you're between eight and nine centimeters dilated. Um, please don't stand up. We're going to roll you straight to the delivery room. <laughs> and I was like shook to my core. So Hudson came in like a few hours. It was like, boom, boom, boom. Like oh, that's bizarre. Incredible. It was very bizarre and so, yeah. and really swift. Yeah. And so I was begging Christian. I'm like literally hooked up to machines. And I'm like, will you please go to the car? Because he wouldn't bring in my bags because he's like, they're probably going to send us home. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. I said, will you please be on my computer? I've got to get this post up. It's got to go up today. And <laughs> he's like, the most savage story I've ever heard. Yeah, I'm like hooked up to machines. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, Kathleen, I'm afraid if I leave, I'm going to miss the birth of our son. Yeah. Right. And I'm like, you won't miss it. I'll be sure. Just go get it. It won't take you 10 minutes. (laughs) I will handle this. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, it's not going to take you 10 minutes. He wouldn't get it. And then finally, I'm like in the recovery room. And I'm like, are you going to bring my computer? Because I got to get this done. Because I can't relax until this is done. Even though I'm sure the brand would have understood. I just like wanted to get it done. And I also didn't. Hold on a second. What's this? I'm going to pull this up. What's the post? What's the, do you remember the post? I share. Oh, oh, the post. Um, What was the post? Yeah, it was actually for makeup. It was makeup? It was makeup. We got to um, this. That's but he, incredible. And so then he brought my computer. Because I also didn't really want, I didn't want to make a big thing about it. I didn't want to say that I'd had him yet. Because I kind of wanted to stay in baby. Of course. And like, yeah. you know, I kind of wanted to keep it private. Yeah. And um, so he finally got my computer. And then, you know, I had a four-day-old Christian's on call for Thanksgiving. And I'm trying Jeez. to do like Black Friday, Cyber Monday content. It was just yeah. a mess. It was a mess. It was all a blur. But I think that... Is this it? Here we go. November 22nd, 2019. Five skincare products for when you need extra TLC. Is that There the you one? go. Extra Holy TLC smokes. in the hospital. And you know what? That post went up on time. And I, you know, pushed it to social as, you know... I'm, this is what people, I don't, this is what people don't understand and appreciate about influencers, right? They don't really get the fact that you are independent contractors. You eat what you kill when it comes to top line revenue. And this is the kind of stuff that you do because, right. I mean, I could tell you stories about Mary doing the same thing. You were on sure. a plane 10 days later to go to a wedding. Like, you know, I remember what, that. And, and you don't amazing. get to savor some of these moments because of, the work that you've chosen to do. And and listen, you're not going to sit there and cry poor me because you've chosen the life, right? Uh, There there are sacrifices to every job and this is our stack. But when people, you know, say, ah, they're not working hard or this, that, and the other thing is like, well, actually, you know, like I, you know, and a couple hours after delivering a baby, I was, you know, making sure work got posted and yada, yada, yada. Right. Well, I'm like, it's our job to make it look easy. Like that's that's literally the job. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? If you're making it look hard, you're not doing your job. Yeah. And so So go do Kathleen a favor and just read that post. And while you're reading it, just remember she had just delivered uh, her first child, her first child, right? It's not even like child two, three or four where you, you know, you're a veteran, you've got some reps. I will say the beauty of that experience was that like I gained, not that Christian doesn't like think I'm tough, but like Mm -hmm. his respect for me and my pain tolerance really went through the roof that day. He's (laughs) like, she's over here working on her computer. Her baby's like two hours old, rolled into the hospital, like just ready to go, you know? <laughs> and I actually, when I started contracting, it was 3.30 in the morning. And, you know, I'm always delicate with Christian's sleep because some, at some times in his life, he's barely gotten any sleep. And uh-huh. so I thought, you know, he's sleeping so hard. I'm just, I'm not going to wake him. I'm going to let him sleep until at least like 
by 30 or six. Okay. So I was like, you know, doing things in the house, breathing mm-hmm. through contractions. I wake him up. I'm like, I think we need to go to the hospital. And we roll in. I'm like, ready to have a baby. He's like, why didn't you wake me up? <laughs> but, um, incredible. Yeah. But it's like back to the holidays. It's like we work so much during the holidays. So I yeah. really think in this industry or in, or in any kind of retail job, mm-hmm. if you want to enjoy the holidays, you need to set that precedent and set yeah. boundaries because otherwise it's not going to happen. So like for me this year, I've chosen to like hustle in November and then in December, I'm really setting a cap for like only taking on, you know, X amount of sponsored projects per week. I realize that means I'm going to lose financial opportunities yep. and I'm willing to do that because yep. at some point you have to say like, where's the priority, Right. you know? And I think mm-hmm. last year I never had a baby. I had no idea what it was going to be like. I had no idea what he was going to be like. I didn't take a maternity leave as most influencers don't because there is no paid maternity leave and you are aware of every project you're turning down and and not earning that potential income. And so it can be like a mental freak right. out thing, you of know? Of course, yeah. And I think I, I did not manage my time well at all. I didn't know what to expect and now I do. And so I think last year, I remember being so overwhelmed, having a new baby at two weeks. He also, you know, started to show signs of having colic. So he cried nonstop for nine oh. weeks. And I didn't really want to share that on online because I knew mm-hmm. there would be an influx of people trying advice. to help. But yeah. yeah, it's like sometimes at a certain point, so much advice can be really overwhelming. Oh, for sure. So I was trying to hide it and not share it. And I remember spending Christmas Day crying in my sister's laundry room. Oh, geez. And I just was like tired, new mom, overwhelmed. Yeah. He won't stop crying. Yeah. And so I think last year was just like a, and it was our first holidays living back in the yeah, South. Yeah. So I think mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to have this newborn baby. I'll finally be with you our family. You had high expectations, Kathleen. You had high expectations. That's what happens when you have high expectations. You end up, <laughs> you end up crying in your sister's laundry room on Christmas day. Exactly. Keep it low. Uh, keep it so low. So this year I'm like, I'm going to make up for last year when I was a failure in managing my own time and, mm. and, you know, I didn't yeah. prioritize my happiness. I prioritized, I prioritized hustling and I don't know what, I was just a fool. So this year I'm making different plans because yeah. I'm not going to make the same mistake twice. And hopefully this holiday you will have, you know, obviously last year you were around family, this year you'll be around family. And we've gone this whole interview and we haven't talked about Karen yet. I feel yeah. kind of guilty. Um <laughs> So before we, we close out here, we need to talk about Karen. And sure. I don't know, honestly, where to start. Do we talk about crafty Karen? Do we talk about judging Karen? Do we talk about germaphobe Karen? Like, That's where do we start? She's all of the above. Yeah. yeah. So my mom is an artiste. <laughs> and, you know, there was a time once growing up where, you know, on some document, you had to write your parents' occupations. Mm-hmm. And my my dad's a gastroenterologist. And my so my brother wrote, like, you know, dad, physician, mom stay-at-home mom. And she was like, I'm sorry. She's like, I'm an artiste. Have you forgotten? Like she has a whole like art studio and she, you know, she's not just an artist that she does paint oil paintings, but she's really crafty. I mean, she makes stuff like growing up. She makes, I mean, she can, she literally like can build, build things. Mm -hmm. Like I remember and for Valentine's day when I was in the second grade, she got like a table saw 
for Valentine's Day. It's like exactly what she wanted. From her, from your dad. Yeah. Your dad got her a table saw for Valentine's Day. Right. Yeah. That's incredible. And so she's like, she can, she really can do anything. Like she is very, very creative and artistic. And so, you know, growing up with her, I now have realized as an adult, I'm like, I'm never going to be able to do the kind of stuff for my kids that my mom did for us. I mean, she just, I, you know, she's, she can make anything from anything. And it's really actually incredible and made for a very fun upbringing. I'm sure, yeah. You know, because my dad's super type A and my mom's an artist. I mean, they're almost like a cartoon couple, you know? Well, yeah, and, and you've shared some fun interactions that they've had with each other. Yeah. And with, obviously, you and your siblings. Um, but, I mean, listen, I think that most people would agree that she's a star. Is she going to get her own show? Like, what? Yeah. What's the, what are the plans for Karen? I wish she and I lived closer for both personal and professional reasons. Because A, <laughs> she really is my Christian or momager because she's the only person who spell checks all of my blog posts and texts really? me when I've made grammatical errors, which oh, is quite great. frankly very helpful. Yeah, sure. And I mean, no one else, Christian, doesn't, I don't even know the last time he read my blog, like no one else is doing it, you know? Yeah. And so um, I wish, you know, we started doing some Instagram live type stuff together and people love it. And she's also really creative and like really helpful and so she can fix things and like you know she has all these different tips and tricks that i actually think would be really valuable yeah um, to people if we lived closer and could like Mm -hmm. share more of that and funny enough when i started my blog i actually was like mom you should start a blog with like some of your diy stuff is i mean for sure growing up like our kitchen she she painted the entire kitchen floor and it's like a landscape painting on the floor really you know, oh, that's incredible. like that's how I grew up. Like she would paint yeah. ceilings. She's like, does all kinds of crazy stuff, you know, but it's mm-hmm. really fun to watch. You're like, what is she up to next? You know? So, so how, how much did you let her do in your house? You know, cause that, she, that's interesting, right? Because very crafty, but you probably had your own vision for what you wanted. Yeah. So there's a balance there. I would imagine. There's definitely a balance there. However, she's still like, well, and I told her this, I would tell I've told her this to her face. My sister and I both have. My mom is so, she's too helpful. So Mm. she comes over and she's like, you know, we know what, we're going to recalk that behind your sink. And you know what? You got to (laughs) crack up here. I'm going to fix it. And it's, but it almost means like you can't relax. Because when you're, when you're, you know, 60 year old mom's on a ladder painting your ceiling, you can't just sit on the couch and watch Real Housewives. You have to help her. Yeah, and I'm like, sure. I don't want to. I don't want to help you, and I don't want to do this. So, what I really would like <laughs> is for you to just sit down and stop pointing out things that you want to work on. And she does it with out of love, but it can be course, like, exhausting. Yeah. She's overly helpful, and I'm like, mm-hmm. can you take it? You're at a nine, like bring it down to a five, you know? <laughs> but great. she's helped me immensely in this house. Like, um, she wanted to help me paint a fence. And I was like, relax. Like you have tennis elbow because you whitewash your own house. She's, she, she and my dad actually helped my sister and her husband paint the outside of their house. Wow. That's incredible. So it's like, she can overexert herself. So I do try to reel it in, but it's also, Mm -hmm. that's her love language. Yeah, for sure. And will you be around Karen for the holidays? You know, Christian is on call this year for Christmas. Uh, okay. <laughs> However, um, I think one thing I think is great, and this is just a PSA for anyone who is, you know, has a partner and has to share holidays. One thing that my mom and my dad, one thing they both do that I think is so, so kind is like my mom's mentality is 
Like it's the holidays or when we're all together. It doesn't, it's not on a day. And so she's like, you know what? What if we have a delayed Christmas? Mm-hmm. And what if every, you know, so what my family always does is we have a delayed Thanksgiving every year. And so my mom's like, if that means that I get to have all three of my kids and their spouses in our house, and like for us, Thanksgiving's Friday, it's not Thursday. Mm-hmm. And so it's great because it means every Thanksgiving we get to be with our in laws and we right. always get after we drive to my parents mm-hmm. wherever and um, are able to spend it all t- there together. So I think That's this great. year we're going to have a delayed Christmas because my parents, um, this will be our last Christmas in my childhood home. Oh, they're selling your their your child at home. Yes. Oh, how how's that hitting you? You know, it's okay because I think since we've lived at um, you know in California so long, I didn't really get to spend much time there. What's I think sure. what's weirder is that I have no other connections to my hometown, the town that okay. I was raised in, really, mm-hmm. and we have no other family there. And then a lot okay. of my friends' parents have either moved or split, and so even my good friends don't really go there. No one stayed okay. there. So it's like, it's more so that I'm like, once my parents leave that house, I might never go to that town again. That's crazy. Where are they moving? So they're going to be moving to Oxford, Mississippi. They both went to Ole Miss and they've Uh, had like a weekend house there, but they bought like a actual home. home. And they're going to be really happy there, which I think that also, there's more stuff to do and they have friends that have retired up there. So I think that they're going to be so happy up there that it will make it. And I know... Mm -hmm. Ironically, um, hopefully the guy moving into the house is like a childhood friend of mine, Uh, which I love. That's great. So the the fact that I think I know who's going to be living in it also Mm -hmm. makes it a lot easier because you're like, I love that they're going to be enjoying it. But it's weird. So it's our last kind of big family gathering in that house, which, Mm -hmm. you know, I've lived in since I was in the second grade. Wow, that's crazy. Well, it'll be a good time. A lot of fond memories, I'm I'm sure. sure. I'm yeah. sure my mom is like, she's like, all I want is for everyone to be here. And then like all 14 of us are here. And she's like, it's really <laughs> stressful. There are a lot of you here. And I'm like, this is Careful what you wish for. Yeah. Cause I think yeah. she's not used to having everyone together because we've all lived in different places. So we're not yeah. all together at the same time. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, she's got like all these grandkids, like, you know, with squirt guns, like inside the house. It's like a mess. <laughs> Oh man! Well, I hope uh, I hope you enjoy the holidays with Karen, and I hope that Karen makes an appearance or two uh, for the benefit of your audience because it's always a good time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She. I found that my audience really reacts to her critiquing and insulting me. That's like her favorite <laughs> thing, which happens. She happens to be really good at. So. Yeah, we got to lean into it, I suppose. Yeah, right? Give them very- what they want. And she's one of these, like, you know, I think you did a great job in your blog post, but um, one suggestion, if I may, <laughs> you know, like, no one cares about how, like, stressed you are. So you should, like, leave that out because, like, no one cares. You know, like, <laughs> she'll, like give you a positive, like, pro, yeah. con, con, bow, you know, basically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Tie it up with a pretty red bow. We, uh, we used to call it the shit sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> a very, uh, uh, a, uh, a much more colorful way to do yeah. it. And certainly she provides a lot more love than oh, what we I mean, did in investment banking. But yeah. If your family's not going to be honest with you, who will? That's right. You know, 100%. like my dream was to be Katie Couric. And I, when I told mm-hmm. her that, she said, yeah, you and everyone else, good luck with that. <laughs> I would recommend picking a more realistic goal. Well, and uh, and look where it's brought you. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's great. 
And now, you look know, at me now, Karen. Look, look at me at now. We know it. She is. Everyone else in our family, you know, really works in healthcare and has more traditional jobs, and so sure. she's always like, mm-hmm. she's so supportive and so like tickled that. I have this like bizarre internet job and have somehow yeah. made it work. She's like, yeah. look at you. Good for you. <laughs> That's great. Well, Kathleen, where can people find you online uh, and uh, your your platforms? Yes. So first and foremost, my website, which is com, which will have lots of fun holiday content this year because I don't have a newborn baby, which means I am back at it. And I'm really <laughs> excited about what's coming in November and December. And then on Instagram, I'm Kathleen underscore Barnes. Wonderful. Well, Kathleen, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you here on Influencer Business. Oh, it's been a delight. An awesome conversation. A big thank you again to Kathleen for joining us. Make sure you check her out on carriebradshawlide.com. That's her website. Or Kathleen Barnes, Kathleen underscore Barnes on Instagram. Not only does she produce great content, but she is really, really funny as well. Uh, So make sure you go check her out. And before I let you go, just a few things I wanted to, to touch on. First, Look for opportunities when it seems like there's only disappointment. You know, Kathleen got to her dream job at a great magazine and a month in she realized that this is not what she had signed up for, right? Not what she had imagined it would be. Carrie Bradshaw had in fact lied to her. But instead of dwelling on that or giving up, she figured out how to still make that dream come true, how to hold on to that dream while also paying the bills. You know, this resiliency and this willingness to look for opportunities can create amazing things. And it led Kathleen to where she is today. You know, she's built out this wonderful platform, has hundreds of thousands of followers all across the country, and and really has allowed her to build this wonderful business. So think about resiliency when the chips are down or the tide may be running up against you. Uh, and and see what you can make out of it. The other thing I wanted to talk about uh, as it relates to Kathleen is uh, something that she said. You know, she was having a tough time at a certain point in her life, and she was debating whether or not she wanted to share that with her followers. You know, she didn't want to be a downer. Nobody wants to to be a downer, but she also didn't want to lie. And ultimately, she shared that she was having a, having a tough time. She talked about therapy, uh, and she still had people, you know, who were turned off by this kind of as she had anticipated. But the majority of folks thought it was endearing. It was real. It was raw. And I think people really appreciate the truth. Yes, there are going to be some people who who leave. And I think that's the real lesson is that you can't please everybody and you really shouldn't try. Not only is it impossible, but it takes a toll on you. It's a lot. It's too much to bear. And we tend to, you know, fixate on the negative comments, but generally those are fewer and far between than the positive comments. So don't lose perspective on that you can't please everybody you shouldn't and you got to stay true to who you are especially as a creator otherwise you just can't keep it up finally the last thing i'd say is make your business work for you whether it's a side hustle or a full-blown business make sure it works for you q4 is a notoriously busy time of year and your work as a creator as an influencer can impact your appreciation and enjoyment of the holidays and these special times of year you know whether it's family or with friends so you know, and as you can see, Kathleen has really taken control of this year and she's making sure to set herself up to enjoy the holidays because she didn't get that last year. And even if that means a few less sponsored posts, maybe a little less money coming in the door, 
that's okay because at the end of the day, if you're not happy and you're not going to be able to do this and create the same content and be as motivated and your audience will know that. So make sure you're checking in on what you want and set yourself up for personal success. And that often is not measured in dollars or followers. So those are kind of the three things that I would think about and take away from this conversation with Kathleen. Um, A big thank you to her again for joining us. Some really important topics of conversation that I think we should all be thinking about as we head into the final couple of weeks of the year. And again, uh, if you like what you heard on the podcast today, leave us that rating. Give us that glowing review. We certainly would appreciate it. And as always, a big shout out to my guy, Pete Crimmy and the team over at Sound Lounge for always making us sound better over the podcast than we do in person. Um, thanks for joining us today on Influencer Business. I'm your host, Rich Gudelari, and we'll see you next time.